It's time for the LaneCast with Montana's very own Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland, your voice for agriculture. Well, everyone, welcome back to the agriculture conversation here on the LaneCast. And we are once again on the road, actually in the biggest little city in the world, Reno, Nevada at the 7th National Grazing Lands Coalition Conference. And there's producers from across the nation here just learning about being better stewards of the land and improving grazing land habitat. And at the end of the day, just wanting to stay in business and pass along those family businesses on to the next generation. And joining us here today is a very, very serious individual. He is from the state of Utah, Mr. Tim Munns with the Munns Flying M Ranch out of Hansel Valley, Utah. And, and Tim, you're very active in multiple agriculture organizations and uh, and whatnot. But uh, let's just talk a little bit about uh, yourself, your ranch, and uh, how you and your wife are active in, in promoting agriculture across the board. Well, my motto is go to have a good time or don't even go. So yes, we are active. I do get serious on occasion. We uh, went out there, newly married, borrowed a beginning farmer loan, 22 years old. Anyway, 42 years later, we've put together a ranch. Uh, we started out with nothing, still have most of it left, and get two boys back on the ranch. My oldest son's full-time. We, we, we got a ranch in Utah, a ranch in Idaho, a grazing association up there. My oldest son spends six months managing that. Mother boy is, uh, under son, uh, correct me, He's a fighter pilot for the United States Air Force, but he's back on the ranch. I've got one son who works for JBS, meat company, Greeley, Colorado, out of corporate. He's on the other end of the deal, moves a lot of meat. i got a daughter not involved with the ranch directly. My oldest is a hairstylist. But anyway, we've been trying to make a living, trying to build a ranch. Me and Augustus McCray and Captain Call for 40 years finally got there. Uh, I told my boys, if we ever get one paid for it, and we'll mortgage it, and we'll leverage it, and we have. And, uh, pretty rapid expansion the last few years but the reason we're here today is forage coast winter feed costs is a big topic and buzzword at, at every convention and everything on the grazing lands conference so we are raising quite a bit of forage kosher and that throws up red when you say kosher this is not domestic this is not wild kosher this is a release by the forage range and research lab out of utah state well the campus on utah state but it's usda it's a legitimate crop and i'm here to share that i'm not here to sell seed i'm here to share the what little knowledge we have about it with other producers well let's talk more about this forage co-ship we're going to take a quick break and thank our sponsors but we'll be back with tim munns right after this your national cattlemen's beef association knows there's what benefits cattlemen and there's what doesn't trade the farm bill technology and conservation the decisions being made in Washington affect the life of each and every cattleman. When it comes to the issues, there's simply no room for gray area. To us, it's as clear as black and white. Visit joinncba.org to learn more. 
As a Montana Farm Bureau member, you have access to a lot of valuable benefits. Now you can have your savings on the go with the Farm Bureau Member Benefits app. The app will show you where you can use your membership discounts with Granger, Case IH, Choice Hotels, John Deere, and more. Plus, with the app, your membership card is on your phone for easy access. It's free. Download the app today. Simply go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Farm Bureau Benefits app. Montana Farm Bureau. We care for the country. Well, we are not at the craps table or the roulette table. We're actually in the trade show at the National Grazing Land Coalition Conference in Reno, Nevada. And uh, it's kind of a mess, this booth that Tim Munns has. It's because he has some forage kosher. And uh, I can tell you what, the, that is a, a lot of seed in front of us right now. And, and when I first walked up, I didn't know if it was actually legal for Tim to be displaying this, but then I understood it was forage kosher not some other stuff but uh, Tim Munns a rancher from Utah uh, again this isn't uh, the kosher that people maybe are thinking of listening right now but it's forage kosher a lot of work has gone into this in Utah through the land-grant university so let's talk about forage kosher how it's uh, been a part of your operation and how other folks are learning about it uh, this week and across uh, the west uh, with the National Grazing Lands Coalition like everyone else in ranching business, winter feed costs was a, one of our biggest costs on the ranch. And traditionally, everybody put up hay and put up hay and fed hay. But and we've grown it, like I said, started out 40 years ago with 25 head of cattle. We're running 700 mother cows in the keypad and land and cattle. High desert country, 5,000 foot elevation, running up to seven. We summer in Idaho around the six, where we got more water and grass. But in the wintertime, in a 10 to 12 inch rainfall area, this stuff will grow. It's been imported from Kazakhstan or Pakistan or one of them stands clear across the country, but it is a release from the Forest Range and Research Lab. So we're seeding it, interseeding in western wheatgrass, into crested wheatgrass in any rangeland, and it will grow, and it's high in protein. We tested some week, 10 days, at 20% protein. As it matures, it'll go down, but we're looking to grow our own protein mixed with crested wheatgrass on the range, graze these cows uh, 365 days a year. So what's your precipitation in the area where you're planting this? 10 to 12, it may not, well hell, last year it was three inches. We went June, July, August, September of 2018 with .27 quarter inch rain. My point on them photographs is the kochia kept growing. It's a deep rooted plant. We got little gray growth on our grass, but the kochia is there and it is edible and, and, and it's Wildlife like it, cattle like it, it's relatively new. Actually been around for 20 years, but not a lot of people know about it. So how has this changed? Uh, I mean, of course you're using this in your in your winter grazing rotation, but at the end of the day, how has this changed your uh, financial outlook on, uh, on, on growing this and feeding your cattle? Well, reducing winter feeding costs, but financially on our ranch, my son come back after a, a tour in Syria and Iraq and just seeing how other people, well, I'll put, I will say we are the luckiest people in the world to, to live where we do and do what we do. He said, Dad, all I want to do is come back to the ranch. I don't, it's the money ain't an issue. I just want to come back and raise a family. I said, well, these are the resources we've got, bud. You figure out how you're going to make a living. So he's picked up on this to market it. Our particular outfit, we're selling a lot of seed to other producers, other ranchers, uh, uh, fire rehabilitation, fire suppression. It, it, this stuff will not burn during the summer, which it, it just amazing. But yeah, we're reducing costs on our ranch, but financially, 
he's doing well selling moving seed, but he's hurt. He's hus It's a lot of work cleaning the seed, making a market, finding a market, and getting a long way from putting the seed in the ground to getting the check in the bank. So uh, across to the west, where where are some of that seed heading? Nevada, Idaho. Uh, we sent a lot to uh, Nevada Wildlife after these fires for rehab. We've uh, sent a lot into. Uh, Utah, BLM, Forest Service have bought bids on bid process in the Mountain West. I'd like to get into that California market. They, I think they'd want to smoke it instead of plant it. But. <laughs> so, Tim, uh, when you look at this, you're, we're, in agriculture, we're always looking at how we can improve our operations, how we can improve our bottom lines. And, again, what, how, how have you... When whether it's here at the uh, grazing lands meeting or uh, just talk to someone there at the stockyards about kosher, how are you uh, uh, stepping over that barrier of uh, just the bad word kosher? We got to change the name. We got to put it uh, desert alfalfa or winter feed. That's it. Kosher. My father-in-law still thinks I'm nuts, but uh, I've been involved with this group since about day one. This is the seventh annual or nuts. We do it every three years. Ain't annual. National Conference on Grazing Land, so I'll do the math, that's 21 years. This group's smaller than others uh, I associate with. Our trade shows fair in size. 500 attendees here compared to 5,000 maybe at NCBA or somewhere, but this is more of an education product. We're not politically motivated. We don't set policy here. We're here to share what each other's doing and what works and what doesn't work. And I'm just here to share what knowledge we have on this kosher with others. But I've, I've got it for sale. Somebody wants to get on board. Uh, It'll grow. It's a high desert, low rainfall crop. Now, one thing that I've noticed is the variation in ages and backgrounds of people here. I was at, This is my first uh, conference that I've attended, but I was amazed to see how many young people have come to this conference. Me too. I mean, we got all the old gray-haired, white-haired guys with the wisdom and knowledge, but if we don't get the next generation involved in going, and I, don't, I wish my son Bud would have been here to man this booth. He's the one selling it. He's, he's, he enjoys people as much as I do. My older son wants to stay home, work, 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 and he's damn sure good at it. But we, uh, we've we got to involve new people. I've heard a lot of new ideas. That, that's, that last speaker was fantastic. It was just really good about involving the next generation and diversifying the ranch. This is one thing I'd have never dreamed we was going to be selling kosher seed 10 years ago. But then, you know, we've had that opportunity to expand to the ranch. Well, and of course, it's been a little bit of an up and down ride in the, in the cattle markets, no doubt, over the uh, the past few years. But uh, I know uh, you and your wife are active now. She, is she on the Federation of State Beef Councils? She has been with the Federation. She's actually serving as the vice chair of the Federation Division of NCBA on the National Officer Team. She served three years on the six years on the Cattlemen's Beef Board, and I've served. I've been at Utah Cattlemen's Association president, been the Beef Council president with a few years on the exec committee for NCBA, board of directors of NCBA, Region 6 VP, and I was three years as Ag Policy Committee Chair for NCBA. Did you miss a leadership position there? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, uh, for, for you, it's very important to uh, give back to all these associations that advocate for you and uh, participate, whether that's at a national convention or being a voice for you in Washington, D.C., but you're also active in the Public Lands Council as well. Uh, we were just down in uh, Park City, Utah there, uh, and uh, again, for their 50th meeting. And that's one thing that I always share. Of course, most of the people listening to this show are from the West but they don't realize the important role that public lands play in 
and the ranching operations and how ranchers play an important role in keeping those public lands healthy. Uh, what, what is your message to folks out there? I mean, I'm sure you have a pretty good, pretty good a monologue you give to those folks about public lands ranching, but uh, any words on that? Well, here in the West, we're, we're federal and state-owned. I think in the state of Nevada, they're upwards of 90, don't call me, but in Utah, we're over nearly 80% either federal land, state, or reservations, and, and Nevada's higher than that. So these, these guys in Nevada wouldn't exist without running on public lands. The misconception out there that it's it's free, that we're getting it for nothing, and it is a cheap when you figure the AUM rate, but the country, like the guy today, you know, some of this country is 100, 100 acres for a cow. Some of New Mexico, you got to... 80 acres per AUM. You stocking rates eight or ten cows per section. So the percept we need to do a better job of educating the people in the in the east. We got problems on public lands with too many feral horses. Drought's always an issue, but you got to manage the land, take care of it. They've all got a private land base. They all know what they're doing and what we're doing. I'm fortunate enough. We run most of the time on private lands. We're paying taxes on on what we're running. We got small BLM permit and a and a forest permit 250 in Idaho. But, uh, anyways, we'll just keep after it. Education amongst ourselves and the consumer and the animal rights group. We, we're good stewards of the land. We wouldn't be in business if we wasn't, and we, we'll continue to be that. Now, you mentioned you're trying to be like uh, Call and Augustus McRae, but you didn't make it very far north. They at least made it to Montana. <laughs> My dream was always to go to Montana. You're right. I just didn't get out of town far enough. But it's... Uh, Land values, production value of the land. I was fortunate enough, the man that sold me his farm at the time carried me. I had a down payment, a beginning farmer loan, and then he carried me, and we've been we've been damn blessed. We ain't been lucky. I've, it seems like the harder I work, the luckier I got. Some people think it's all dumb luck, but it goes right along with hard work. So where did you grow up at? About 35 miles from where I'm at, 40. Between Ogden, Utah, and Burley, Idaho is where I'm at now. Utah State University in Logan, 60 miles. I grew up in Tremont and Garland, Utah, in Box Elder County, which is about, like I said, 30 miles out of Logan. And uh, it's about on Interstate 84 is where I'm at, between Ogden and Burley, Idaho right now, Ogden, Utah. So this is one of your first times to town then coming to Reno? Yeah, first time I've been here. I've never seen so many people in my life. <laughs> hey, any, any advice you have for any young producers, whether they're in the ranching part of things or the, the farming part? You, you talked about that relationship you had with the individual that uh, you bought that farming from. Uh, what's the advice you have for them? I, I know it's easy to ask that question, and, and there's programs out there, but th it's a lot of hard work, and it's a lot of relationship building. It's not sustainable if it's not profitable and enjoyable. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, then forget it. And if you're looking for big money, forget it. But uh, if your passion and desire is to own a ranch, own a farm, <clears throat> it's not impossible. It, it, too many guys might generally, well, hell, what are you doing buying more land? We, you can't make no money yet. To get out of that negative bunch you're running with, if that's their idea, there's ways to make it work. It ain't it damn sure ain't going to be easy. If you can build a relationship with an older guy that's got no one to pass that on to, my son just bought a farm last year. And it was a farm, but he's cross, he's fenced it, dug a well. We put water lines, we've cross-fenced it. And then, like the last speaker said, he's selling grass off of it, making his payments by selling pasture, what do they call that, renting it. But anyway. Running cows for other folks. Right. <clears throat> Don't give up. I used to think it was impossible. It was impossible to get it started. But it, the place I bought was for sale when I bought it. it they'll be out there. 
it, my boy, like I said, if we ever get one paid for, then we'll mortgage it, we'll buy another, and we just keep doing it. That's what we've done. And uh, Tim's referencing uh, to Jerry Doan of the Blackleg Ranch over in North Dakota, a, a past, uh, that, that was a presentation we were just in, a past uh, Environmental Stewardship National winner uh, with the NCBA, a, a Leupold Award winner as well, and a great, uh, great presentation on just diversifying their operation, uh, having all their kids come back and be involved, and, and also having a hunting operation, an events operation there too, it, and really, really great to hear what they're doing there, so I just want to reference uh, who we were talking about that workshop-wise, but uh, Tim, I'll give you the floor. Or anything else you want to share with our, our listeners on the linecast today? Just living the dream. Keep after it. It all boils down to the fact that we have a thin layer of topsoil and, and it rains. That's why we exist. But we got to take care. We're here as a conservation group, and that's true. We got to be good stewards of the land. Take care of it. Take care of the land. You've heard it a hundred times. It'll take care of you. But but there's a lot to be learned. There's a lot to be learned. And the day you're done learning, you're done. And the day we quit doing research, we're done. So. A lot has changed in the 40 years. And I, of course, raised on a small farm, dairy farm, and I look back at the way we've done things and, and under what the hell was we doing there. But uh, it's all good. It's all good, and uh, we'll we'll continue. Have faith. I'll guarantee you if, if I hadn't changed my ways and faith in God, I will put that lick in there. Good Christian people here at this conference, and you got to believe. you got to believe it's going to be better, and, and it will. And uh, will you be making your way down to New Orleans or New Orleans, however they say it, for the uh, cattle convention? Yeah, I'll be there. I'm, I can't wait to get down there on Bourbon Street somewhere. I've never seen that. Well, I heard that you might be leading one of those Mardi Gras parades, throwing some beads out. I never figured that bead deal out, but I'm going to. Well, Tim Munns, rancher from Utah, uh, we'll have some information in the link provided here on the podcast for more information on Forge Kosher. What were you calling it, uh, Mountain Alfalfa or Desert Alfalfa? Yeah, winter Alfalfa or something. Yeah, Desert Alfalfa. Actually, places in the in the, in the the Far East, they put it up for hay. I've seen guys in Oregon baling it and, and cutting it put up for hay. So it's kind of real, it's an old crop new to us. Well, again, Tim Munns, thanks for joining us, and uh, thanks for an enlightening conversation. And, of course, I always enjoy your, your quick wit and humor along the way. So, again, Tim Munns, Utah Rancher, thanks for joining us here on the LaneCast. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in to the LaneCast with Talkin' Ag, Lane Nordland. For more on Lane, check out his Facebook page, Lane Nordland Ag Broadcaster and NordlandCommunications.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the LaneCast on your Apple or Android devices. We look forward to joining you next time on the LaneCast.